Hello, and welcome to Maine Education Matters with Matt and Matt. My name's Matt, and Matt is on special assignment, meaning he's too busy to do the podcast today. Um, so it's just me, but it's really not just me because this is one of those special reports. And today I have Christian and Stephanie uh, here from New Zella. How are you two? Good, thank hey, you. Matt. Fantastic. Thanks for having us. Yeah, great. So the um, reason why we're talking to these folks today is to share with you all some of the stuff that they're doing in the state. But in particular, we wanted to focus on this change in our educational standards in terms of social studies and science. The social studies standards, if you remember, we've talked about it almost ad nauseum at this point, but the social studies standards have changed to kind of eliminate some applications. They embedded those into the uh, content standards but they've narrowed down the content standards into four areas, civics and government, personal finance and economics, history and geography. Well, one of those, personal finance, that's kind of a new thing. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's a new area for the state of standards, um, especially in the social studies. And also embedded throughout the history and the geography and the civics and government is this whole side of Maine Native American studies. It used to be this supplementary side thing that was just kind of there and yeah you could say you did it but really how deeply did you do it well what is going to happen with the standards is that they've really deeply and intentionally and explicitly uh, put a focus on main Native American culture and the different ways for geography and history economically and civics and government that they've been put in so wanted to talk to you two about what kind of what, what kind of things are you seeing in Maine and doing in Maine with other districts or even talk about want to introduce the, the, uh, the platform itself. Sure. I actually, I mean, if Christian, if you want to spend a couple of minutes just talking about how you've seen the platform itself evolve from the beginning, beginning days, because you've been um, with the company for longer than I am, and I can maybe then dive into um, how I've seen the partnerships span across several of the districts in Maine and how that has evolved. Sure, I can absolutely cover that. So yeah, been at Newzella uh, now in three days. It'll actually be my uh, three-year Newzella anniversary. So Steph, don't forget to uh, your congratulations then. Your, ro um, your roses will be on order. <laughs> in all seriousness, when I started at Newzella, you know, it was an organization that um, was was building and curating a lot of different types of content. But just to rewind back a little bit further from when I started. You know, when Newzella started as an organization, the, the number one challenge or, or problem statement that they were trying to solve for was around student engagement. So Newzella foundationally as an organization believes that achievement is a byproduct of an engaged reader. So when we were thinking about the types of content that we delivered for teachers to be able to leverage for free every single day, we were really focused on if we start with that engagement piece first and that differentiation piece first, all the other outcomes that you know teachers and students and, and districts are trying to get to are going to fall naturally if we have those fundamental pieces intact. That's, um, I, I just want to just interrupt, for, sorry, for a quick yeah, second, because yeah. that's really unique. That is something I don't often hear about in term, as a curriculum person. Um, I talk to a lot of different organizations about their uh, curriculum resources and a lot of things, and you don't often hear that they start with the engagement and the differentiation. What? So why was that important? Because I, I think that's where you need to start because the yeah. content will come into play. Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's, that's unique, unique perspective. Well, yeah, so, I mean, if you so even know the story of how the company came to fruition, it's a really great story from just a, like a, an educator perspective that our founder and current CEO was a parent in New York and had a struggling reader 
And the feedback he got from the teacher was that some kids just don't like reading. And he was an educator himself. And he's like, that's, that's a huge problem that needs to be solved. And from there, partnered up and started Newzella and felt like the beginning of a child's learning experience was to to not be turned away from reading, to learn to love reading, because that's sure. basically the way to become a lifetime learner, which is, of course, what everyone is striving for their students to be. Yeah, it's a critical piece. Yeah. Well, well I even think just, even that beginning story to me is pretty incredible. And I think the piece that ties that together is, is, is the end of it, where it's like, you know, do, do these students not like reading? What's the why behind that? Because the why could be very simply that they're not reading things that interest them. They're not reading things that are current and relevant, or they're not they're not really able to read because the things that they're being told to read aren't, aren't at that level. So if you mm -hmm. bring it back to that, I think it, it, it does kind of tie it full circle. Yeah. Kind of going back to the story there when we were, when we were developing our content, that was really, you know, our, our focus. So um, then, but then we started to, you know, receive a lot of requests from teachers and students. Hey, this, you know, we're, again, we're publishing these news articles every single day, about four to five articles a day. They were all differentiated and leveled at five different reading levels. So again, this is a great free resource for teachers to be able to, you know, sign up for a new, a, an account, assign something relevant to their students and have their students actually read it at the level that's appropriate for them. So super exciting. We really started to see usage of that platform grow, you know, particularly in, in Maine in the Northeast um, with teachers lever leveraging this great free resource. And then we started to receive a lot of requests for additional different types of nonfiction. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Matt, you may have heard us or, or maybe even yourself in the past have called us, you know, Newsy LA, right? Because yeah. a lot of folks are like, oh, you guys have those current news articles uh, for, for ELA, which we certainly do. And that's, you know, fundamentally a lot of the value that we brought in the infancy of our organization. And, and I, I don't mind admitting to be guilty of that back, back <laughs> a while back. I, I, guilty as charged, yes. <laughs> the first question that most people ask. We won't, we won't hold it against you. Yeah, we're, Stephanie and I have definitely sev, uh, settled many, many bets, uh, you know, for, for either a happy hour beer or, or, a, or a lunch or something over, is it Newzella or News ELA? And then really what happened was we were receiving a lot of different requests for, for different types of nonfiction outside of those traditional news articles. And we were also at the same time, you know, receiving a lot of requests around, you know, a specific state mandate, Matt. So you mentioned you know, a lot about civics and government. We're, we've seen that a lot, obviously, in Maine, but also in other areas in the Northeast, like Massachusetts. And then a, a yeah, lot there's of been kind of a really unique, uh, a real push on people learning about that the last couple of years, for some reason or another. Can't imagine what that would be. But there's been some reasons. I'm not going to get into it. But you know, people read between the lines, I think. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it's like we kind of have, right, we have this these requirements that, that say, hey, we, we need to align the standards. We have kind of unique content challenges where it's hard for teachers to find, you know, not just relevant and engaging content, but content that aligns to those standards. Oh, and then by the way, we also need to do this and, and differentiate it. And then lastly, we may also be trying to tie in other types of initiatives like blended and personalized learning, UDL, project-based learning, whatever it might be. So you kind of have these four different areas that are all should be working together to the common goal, which in our position is, again, an engaged, active student that's becoming college and career ready. But without something that kind of pulls those four different areas together, it, they almost could be working against each other. So Nuzella really came to the conclusion that, look, we're really good at sourcing content. We have over 100 different partners to do this. 
So let us focus on what we do best, which is curate, engaging, vetted, relevant, culturally responsive content. And let's partner with districts like SACO, for example, who is really good at writing curriculum and instruction. They know what they want. They just don't know where to find it and how to get it differentiated and leverage Nuzella, who's really good at finding, curating, and differentiating content and really marry that process together. And that's really been the evolution of the organizations you know, since I've been here is, is really coming to that fundamental, that last fundamental thinking portion, which is that districts know their students better than any textbook publisher or Newzella ever could. So let us go ahead and find what they need and, and deliver it to them. Talk more about like what's going on in SACO. How, how, well, how are you supporting Maine getting through these, these new standards, these new updates in terms of you know, the next generation? Start, I, I tell you, one of the things that I hear a lot, and I was just talking with some folks from one of the main organizations on, in science and whatnot, is that uh, there just aren't that many really strong science standards or science resources for next generation science standards. Yeah. We just have fully adopted the next generation science standards this last right. year. Now districts like my own, we've been, we were, we adopted the next science standards when they were in draft form. Right. You know, my, my teachers just got into it and they were, my, my colleagues, they were really into it and they were, thought they were fantastic in the way to go. Other districts have just been like, wait, wait and see, mm -hmm. wait and see, wait and see. And now it's like, well, now what do we do? But either way, both of us are still in the same spot. Right. What are those, what, what, so how then are your resources let's talk science for a second if you if you sure. if you want to go down this road how are they really aligned to that three-dimensional design of the next generation science standards how will it support that yeah so we've actually um built out an entire new part of our organization um to support that very thing that so um you know we've been hearing this a lot from districts um in maine but obviously not just in maine but but other districts that are either thinking about or have already you know adopted the next generation science standards so we're actually have an entire content our content team is is, is focused in a couple of different layers to support that triangulation right it's it's building in new instructional sets and what we call lesson sparks that are that support those next generation science standards and are specifically aligned to them right. so we have a portion of our content team that's entirely focused on that. And then we have another portion of the team that's specifically focusing on curating the actual content to align and support to those. So this is something that we've been doing now for all of 2019 as far as sourcing, curating, and then building in those instructional activities or instructional moves that specifically align to the standard. And then listing the standard right there for the teacher on the, on the teacher side of it so they know exactly how the activity supports what standard, right? We're trying to make it friendly and, and user-friendly, sure. I guess, as possible. It's actually, it's kind of similar to like the collections that we had put together for the social studies, middle school social studies collection based on the C3 framework, where there, you know, there are very unique pockets of content needs like in each state, but there are also national trends like social emotional sure. learning and the C3 framework and NGSS, yeah. where everybody is trying to kind of figure out the solutions to these problems at the same time. So for instance, the C3 framework, we have three middle school social studies content collections that align with US history, ancient civilizations and world history. But we can also weave in other subject matter. So US history has historical fiction threaded in, ancient civilizations makes steam connections and world history makes 
um, has geography content included. But that's you know in response to a national need. States and districts all over the country are um, trying to move towards the same goal. Same with social emotional learning. Like they they're trying to get there, but the teachers need the need the high quality material and also could use some help in how to deliver it because in many cases it's completely different than um, what they were they were trained to teach on. Yeah, that's what I think about these next generation science standards is that, I mean, the social studies standards, we'll get to that in a second, but the next generation science standards is a complete change from how we've really done science instruction. Um, We have to focus on not just the performance task, but focus on the bigger phenomena and then focus on those disciplinary core ideas that go along with it and these cross-cutting concepts. It's not just science taught in isolation anymore. It's science that's taught through the lens of literacy, through informational text. It's taught through the lens of mathematics. It's taught through the lens of also embedding social studies into it. Mm -hmm. And so that's a major change that a lot of districts are going to face. And from my opinion, the more access we have to high quality resources are going to be better for our districts. Like my district is going to want to be able to look at stuff and be able to personalize. We have, we have, you know, somewhat, uh, we have challenging and unique and wonderful population of kids. We don't want just one thing. We want to be able to use a lot of different resources. And I know that we're not the only district facing that. In fact, well, yeah, hone in on that point for just a sec, because I think that, okay. that piece of it that you said, Matt, is so critical, right? Which is, okay, not only do we have to, you know, complete the performance tax and align to the specific new standards and do all this with something that we've never taught before, right? But, but also it's that last piece of it, which you, which you mentioned is, which is trying to kind of personalize, but also level the playing field for all different types of students that you have. So how can oh, you do huge. that? but also scaffold for, you know, special ed or ELL students within these specific assignments and tasks, right? That last piece of it, I think is, is so critical. And that's something that our team internally has spent a lot of time on so that teachers can easily grab those additional scaffolds, you know, when the need arises, given the specific class that they may have. So let's transition off of the next gen science standards. Let's go to social studies, kind of more of my forte. I was a social studies teacher for a while although not in economics. You wouldn't want me teaching economics, trust me. Um, or personal so finance. That's We've been through this on the pod. I'm, I'm an educator and I, don't, I have no money anyway to be personally financing a, again. So uh, sorry, kids. I think, I think yeah, I'm gonna be, you're going to be left with a whole lot of debt. Considered, I consider <laughs> economics a language. I don't know. I, I, I took economics as a business major and it was like learning a language. I took Spanish. <laughs> that was my language that I took. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're, what have you done? Let's talk about, let's talk about SACO. Let's talk about what's going on there in terms of the main Native American, mm-hmm. um, yeah. stuff. So that's been probably the most exhilarating work we've been doing, um, in Maine as of late, uh, back at the end of April, I had the chance to meet with, um, a group of curriculum leaders in York County for just their regular QBR, their quarterly business review, essentially. And when I asked if there were any content-related challenges that they all face together, um, multiple voices responded immediately that it was me Native American history. I personally was really impressed with how much vulnerable sharing there was at the table between the districts. I've seen that a lot in Maine. I think it makes for a lot of just forward growth as states. That's just my, my personal take on it. I think it's really great how much um, collaboration that you all have 
um, with your peers. But Julie Smythe of Sacco, had, she had like this gumption to her. She saw this opportunity to forge ahead and show her peers how to enable their educators to teach these standards. There's a shout out to Julie Smythe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's yes. like, a, she's, she's, a, she's a podcast. Yes. Yeah. She's a big, big fan. Thank you, Julie, for listening. Right. Um, and for just being generally awesome, and for just by the being way. You. I know. I love her. But have it embedded into their scope and sequence, but also teach them, teach the teachers how to feel comfortable teaching this type of content. So it was That's like, huge. Right. It was like this first step where before we could even talk about the content that we were going to include in this blueprint, you could tell that the teachers were like, all right, we, there needs to be an element to this on how to be a culturally responsive teacher. Like how, what they they were like afraid they were going to mispronounce things and offend. And we needed to address that as well. Well, that was nothing that I I was ever taught how to do when I was going through schools and classes and just kind of one of those things that I I don't know. Am am I, am I being, am I being unintentionally insensitive? And it's one of the things that, you know, I look around at a, at a history classroom. And I see all 40 plus presidents and I don't see any women up there. I don't see any Native Americans post up there. These are the things that, you know, over time I've learned to become more aware of. But then how do we then also honestly, critically examine our curriculum mm-hmm. and our instruction to make sure that it's culturally diverse? That is a really hard, hard hill to climb. Right. But I think it keeps you... It keeps you from even approaching it, right? So, you mm. know, the, the first step is to just Absolutely. get comfortable teaching the content um, or the subject matter, we'll say. And then you can dive into the good quality content. So from there, our custom content team dug into the main DOE standards and created a curriculum blueprint for Julie's team, which we then sat around the table and um, picked apart and just had a really good brainstorming session on things that they would like to see included, you know, what types of maybe culminating activities or opportunities to bring in members of the community could be subject matter experts, things like that. And as Julie is particularly passionate about bringing social emotional learning competencies into everyday instruction, we also, because this is all being made based on their needs, uh, we made SEL connections throughout. So it's been a pretty incredible process to be a part of and as someone who is also like at the table for a school district you know at a different table down in Rhode Island I then saw districts in my area kind of following that more culturally responsive trend I mean we we referenced Maine I referenced Maine and Saco in my comments during a school board meeting when we passed a resolution to recognize Indigenous Peoples Day instead of Columbus Day. Maine is is being a great force in this. Oh, I think that last last uh, our last session um, with the passing of the bill to you know ban all Native American mascots. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt and I covered that on the pod, uh, yep. and that that was some that was some crazy stuff that happened. Yeah. I got to tell you, there was some there was oh just go back <laughs> and read some of the stories, read some of the testimony, and it was oh I can't yeah. believe people are saying this publicly. And, but then also the things like, you know, we've changed from Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day. And so there's this real attempt and push to uh, really be inclusive of everybody and not just right. be intentionally or unintentionally exclusive, but to really right. focus at level on, on inclusion of all. And I am just fascinated by this concept you were just talking about of how you went from a content area and a content discussion 
and it went into more of a cultural, social, emotional piece that led to that. And it really speaks to the culture of our instruction and the culture of our curriculum and to what is in, I think that that was, that's amazingly powerful stuff. It's awesome. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's overwhelming, honestly, it is. And when you look at it from the perspective of the students that are members of those subpopulations in your school districts, for them to feel included at a level where the curriculum is actually including them and it's including their perspectives, not in a silo or a special month, but it's woven into main history. Sure. Because, you know, I think at this point, it's ludicrous to, to, to try and say that you can teach main history in full without weaving in main Native American history, oh, yeah. you know? It just, just doesn't tell the full it's story. It's a very incomplete picture. Right. We, we say the same thing in Rhode Island, right? Like we have Rhode Island history. And at this point, we aren't caught up with you where we're weaving in those stories of our own subpopulations that are still living in our communities. So and I think pretty that, incredible. I think that piece is so critical because, you know, I've seen it be brought back, you know, even down to the kids. So, you know, quick story. I, I told the story about the work that we're doing in SACO when I was in a, in a school district meeting with an assistant superintendent in Massachusetts. And she said two things. She said, one, you know, our weakest thing is that we surveyed our students and they feel they don't see themselves in the content that they read when they come to school. And she said, oh, it's heartbreaking. I, I have to fix that. that. That's my number one thing. She's like, she's like, what you just described about what you're doing in SACO, how do you do that for us? And because we need to be culturally responsive, we need to be, you know, integrating that inclusivity that you spoke about, Matt, not just at a, at a high level as something to say as a buzzword, but within our content so that it's delivered into our students. Yeah, to, to make it meaningful, to make it like a part of us, not just this thing that we do because we have to do it, but it's something right. that we actually believe in. And then if we believe it, you know, if we say we believe it, to what extent do our actions then mirror our actual, are we just saying it or are right. we doing it? I, as a curriculum person, I talk all the time from, uh, I talk all the time about the difference between the written curriculum and the taught curriculum, mm -hmm. you know? Because there's that there's this big difference, but what we believe and what we what we believe we do, what we say we do. So where then and how then might our listeners, our faithful seventeen listeners who are out there, which is, but but just between you and me, I just saw that we have over three hundred followers on Twitter, which is ridiculous. Thank you, guys, I think you, Thank you for following quietly, and listening, but yeah. this is nonsense. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't imagine why anyone would want to listen to me, but that's just, you know, years and years and decades of self-doubt and imposter syndrome coming through. That's why I'm in therapy, folks. Um, <laughs> Soon but, I think you're going to have the blue check mark, Matt. <laughs> I know. I've tried to get verified. That's how sad of a person I am. I've tried to be verified. And they've said, yeah, no, you're not. So ready. I'm the exact opposite. Like my life goal is just to never be verified. Cause like, I don't, I don't want to be on the radar at that Wait, level. So I'm, I'm total slithering. Where I am. <laughs> I'm a total really? Slytherin. Oh, I'm so, a Gryffindor all yeah. the way. Gryffindor. <laughs> Gryffindor. Gryffindors are boring. Uh, here comes all the hate mail from the uh, Gryffindors no. out there. Yeah. All right. I Just love Gryffindors. My daughter's a Gryffindor. I love Gryffindor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, you um you you brought to mind what we had talked about after these meetings with um, Julie and Sacco to a meeting that we had with actually Joe Schmidt up in Augusta at the sure. DOE, right? Because he had heard what we were working on. And, you know, there are obviously clear guardrails against what they can support or provide. Right. But just from an educator standpoint, we ended up talking for probably two hours about the need for main students to learn 
several concepts of diversity, not just Maine Native American history, but African-American immigrant, like Somali refugee and immigrant workers, LGBTQIA history. He mentioned possibly French history. So it really opened up like a lot of other areas of quote, what diversity looks like in Maine. And so our director of custom content, he like completely ran with that because he just loved the idea of it. And he created almost a proof of concept deck for Joe Schmidt to, to review because it's more than just the Maine Native American history. It really is like telling, is. telling the true story of what diversity looks like in your state. And I don't know, it's been a, it's been a cool project to be part of. So, so then how can people, or like I was, I was, this is where I was going originally, yeah, oh, yeah. I got side railed mm-hmm. into the whole Slytherin. Yeah, I brought up the blue check mark. I, I started us on that path. That's my fault. That's okay. <laughs> All right, great. I can blame you, Christian. Thank you. Um, anyway, I, think I can blame Shift is, is most appreciated. Um, how can people get their hands on these resources? That's one of the things that I want to make sure that we have available is yeah. that, you know, how, how do our listeners get this? So, I mean, I, what we don't want is for people to hear these stories and feel almost overwhelmed that that is beyond the scope of a project that they are at the point of considering right now, right? Because at the core, what Newzella is, is differentiated high quality content. Um, we want to solve content challenges that districts and schools are facing. Any educator can access some of that free content on the Newzella platform just by logging in, signing up, registering. But scaled back from those very customized content collections are really great cases of just strong partnerships with districts um, based on their instructional technology goals. So like a good example of that is South Portland. They have just a continuous collaboration between curriculum and technology. They set a really high bar for building consensus in all of their decisions. And, you know, they're really just they're handling the challenge of there being a proliferation of platforms out there, lots of resources that teachers are pulling content from, not necessarily up to the standards of someone in your position, and not necessarily being pulled from a website that your director of technology trusts. So even just looking at it from a perspective of considering what platforms your teachers access on your network and where they're getting their content from, like you don't have to jump full you're, you know, right into the deep end of talking about custom content, you really can look at it as would this type of content with this platform be a good strategic tool for your teachers. And if so, just kind of putting a bow on it, you know, if there's interest for somebody who's listening on some of the specific content and instruction that we're working on building in Maine, I mean, definitely reach out to Stephanie or myself and we can, um, you know, do a little bit of a deeper dive as far as what we have, what we're projected to be sourcing and, and, you know, have some more of those brainstorming conversations. I think one of the things that we get that, that is, is so special about some of this work that we've been doing is after each of these conversations that I've been a part of and Steph's been a part of a lot more, but both the district and Nuzala feels like we both got better and learned something after these types of brainstorming conversations. So we're constantly not just saying, hey, we know what's best for you, right? Going back to that theme I mentioned before, which is you know your students better than we do. Right. So, you know, we may be showing, you know, an example of something that we're, we're working on with SACO and we may have another district in Maine that says, hey, you know, 70% of this is awesome, but I would do this a little bit differently. Well, let's unpack whatever the this is and see how we can support it. I mean, that's the flexibility of the platform, which I think, you know, makes it unique, but then also the ability to be able to, support those, you know, specific unique requirements of each district because every district is different because all their students are different. 
Absolutely. So if they want to get in touch with either of you, uh, Stephanie, you're at, you're at Steph underscore Cantor. Yes. Follow on, me on Twitter. On so Twitter. I can get more legit. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get you, we'll get you that, that check mark. Uh, Christian, you're at, at dynamite edu. Yes. yes that's me. Dynamite right. edu. We're not going to worry about getting you the check mark though. You know, don't, don't, yeah. You know, when your handle is we'll dynamite edu, you don't need a check mark. We'll, we'll save how I got that handle for another pod. We could do a whole pod. Yeah, I, I did want to ask, are you blowing up education? Do you hate education that much? You want to destroy? I'm not going to go down that road. We're out of time. Uh, but you can also follow more information at Newzella. I'll put all of these things into our Twitter feed and onto our Facebook posts. I'll make sure they have uh, access to all of, all of that, all of you. And anything else that we might want to throw out there, though? Oh, you know what? So I don't know when the timing is going to be for you to post this, but we do have a free workshop. By the workshop. time that they hear this, it was that day. Oh, sweet. Okay. So um, <laughs> the 29th, which is next Tuesday, um, we're offering a free workshop um, to become New Zella certified educators in Gorham at the Actum office. So it's a free opportunity for PD for anybody that's familiar with the platform or uses it or wants to get like a really good look at how Newzella can be used strategically in the classroom. So those sessions are led by community members that like we call them community members, not your community, sure. but all former teachers that use Newzella in their classroom. and Learning and engagement us. managers. Learning engagement. Yeah, I used to call them community. Yeah, so it's, it's a good opportunity to either extend your understanding of Newzella or get an in-depth view of it it's, if it's something that you're, you're considering investing in. And that's the October 29th at the Gor and Gorham at the Actum office. Yes. You got and it. And I can actually, I can send you the link for that registration if, you, if you'd like it. Sure. Um, yep. And we'll, we'll put it in, uh, in one of our tweets or awesome. posts or whatever. Just, just put it there. We'll, we'll, we'll send that out to them. So again, you can follow uh, Stephanie at Steph underscore Cantor, Christian at Dynamite EDU, and that's at New Zella. 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 It's a callback, folks. At New Zella on Twitter. For us, if you're listening to us and you're not following us, that's at Main Ed Matters on Twitter, facebook.com slash Main Education Matters. And as we announced last week or last time, we have a website now, uh, maineducationmatters.weebly.com. It's the .weebly.com because we haven't paid for a domain yet because, <laughs> as I said earlier, we're not good at personal finance. So look, look there for all of our info. If you want to be on the pod, if you have something you want to share, there's a whole page there for you to do that. And whenever we're out in the wild and we get caught by people saying, hey, I'm one of the faithful 17 listeners, we take a picture, we put it on Twitter or Facebook, and putting it on that page as well so maybe go see yourself if you've caught us out there so stephanie christian thank you very much for joining with us absolutely um, this was fun matt thanks for having right. us cool. take care Let's talk to you soon. take care bye